Good morning, everybody. Are you awake out there yet? Come on, come on. This is the 11 o'clock crowd. You should have had a little bit of extra sleep this morning. Good morning. How are you? Great. Glad that you're here. Thanks for joining us today. If you are a guest with us, we're so thrilled that you've chosen to be here. And if you would like to learn a little bit more about our church family, I encourage you to stop by our Connection Center before you leave for today, and you can get a little more information about us as a church. It'll help you decide whether or not you sense this might be a place for you to call your church home or not. So thrilled that everybody's here today. Now, this past week, we had kind of a really cool milestone for us as a church. It was on September the 20th, just a few days ago, that we celebrated our third birthday as a church. So very cool. Yeah, so just a, a great ex, you know, experience to be three years old now, and I'm still trying to get that all figured out in my brain, because it was, again, three years ago, September 20th, we opened our doors, launched our very first services, and uh, we as a team, we had a core group that helped us launch, and it kind of here's what was going on. God, please help somebody show up. Please, just be, uh, anybody, like just somebody driving past, see the sign, come in. It would just be fantastic. And people came on our first Sunday, and it was really cool. And then guess what? They came back. Like, that was even cooler. And then came back and came back. And all of a sudden, here we are at three years. And uh, we're just so thrilled to see what God is doing with our church family over that time frame. Now, to celebrate our three years together, we're going to have a church picnic today. So at 5 o'clock down at Wadsworth Park, which is down on State Road 100 as you're heading towards the ocean before you get to Intercoastal Bridge, hang a left before you go over the bridge and that's Wadsworth Park right there, and you look for our signs, and we'll gather today at five, so I ask you to bring some food with you, uh, enough for your family, and then uh, bring some friends, bring your neighbors, bring your enemies, just bring anybody that you can, can snag with you to come and have fun with us, and then we're going to gather and have some fun playing some games, so I ask you to bring your game face as well, bring some sneakers is we're going to play a Guatemalan game that we learned this past summer when we were down in Guatemala, and we're hoping and praying that nobody gets hurt today, especially Tim, our, our you know, pastor of spiritual development. We don't want him getting hurt because when he gets hurt, he's not all that spiritual. <laughs> Just letting you know a little bit behind the doors of the life of Tim. Uh, so come on out at 5 o'clock. We'd love to have you today. Now, we have a guest speaker that is here today is going to help us in this series on miracles. It's going to teach a new miracle of Jesus today, and I'm so glad to have Keith Tower here. If you're not familiar with Keith, he was a professional basketball player, and you'll obviously tell that in just a moment. Uh, he played professional basketball for a season in his life, and God did some amazing things in him. God reached in his heart, and he met Jesus as a professional basketball player, and now he's a professional pastor. What he does in Orlando is he has a, a heart to reach people far from Christ and introduce them to the only one who can transform their forever. 
And so he is pastoring a church down there now, and we're thankful to his church family for uh, being gracious to uh, loan him to us today, as well as his family. Here's a little uh, background information for you. His wife just had open-heart surgery three weeks ago. So be in prayer for their whole family. Be in prayer for her as she recovers from that. Just be in prayer for their whole family as they work through that transition in their lives. And we're glad to have him here today. So I'm going to pray, and then Keith's going to come up and share with us today. So let's pray together. God, I thank you that you're a God of miracles, that you always perform the miraculous in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to what you and only you can do. Lord, it's just been amazing to watch you through the series so far do the miraculous. And Lord, I know that that you want to do those very things in our lives, to transform us from the inside out. So Lord, I pray today that you'd speak powerfully through Keith. I pray that we would all leave here a little bit more like Jesus. I pray for his wife as well, that you would be with her on her healing recovery process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. Mind if I raise that up to man height? Okay, thank you. Um, Please pray for my my church. I'm actually taking all of September and October off and uh, pray that they don't like life without me so much that they don't let me come back. Um, hoping I can come back. It is a pleasure to be with you. It's my third time here at Epic, and I love the church I lead, but when I'm not there, I love being with you. I love Trent and Tammy, and uh, love the, the fellowship that's happening here. This is a great church, and uh, you are blessed to be a part of it. If, uh, if you're looking for a church home, I want to encourage you, this is where you should be. If you are looking to be loved, If there's anything I know about Trent and Tammy, they love you a lot, and they have given their lives to this thing. If you want to be loved, this should be your church home. If you want to be a part of something significant, this should be your church home. Happy third birthday. You may not know this, but 80% of churches that start in America don't see their second birthday. 80% don't see their second birthday. This is your third birthday. You know, the average church in America is 75 people. When you opened this facility, you had 400 on your, just prior to your third birthday. That is extraordinary. With 400 people, numbers aren't everything, but let's be honest, you're one of those numbers, so it matters to you. 400 people puts you in the top 2% of largest churches in America in your third year. God is up to something amazing. You guys are touching the nations. You're touching the youth. You're touching the least, the lost, and the last in your community. This is something extraordinary that's happening here at Epic, and you're blessed to be a part of it. The two deepest longings, psychologists tell us, of the human heart are to be loved and to be part of something significant. If you want either of those, be a part of this church. If you don't want either of those, we can probably recommend other churches to you where you're not loved and you're not part of something. Just kidding. Okay, anyway. (laughs) But uh, it's so great to be here with you and um, to be jumping in your, your week three of your miracles uh, series. I've enjoyed listening to the podcast online. And um, anyway, yeah, good to be here. So I'll never forget a couple years ago, I've got two teenage daughters along with uh, my amazing wife, and uh, they're very close in age, 15 months. And if you have little children, you know that period of life that's a blur, you know, when you, as you get older and you go, what happened to like 
2000 to 2002. You just, you know, it just kind of leaves your memory. We had two under 15 months at one point in time. And my wife is amazing and she's a saint. And I decided one night, you know, one night, <laughs> you know what, honey, I'll get up with our youngest. She was about a month and a half old. And uh, my wife was tired. I was in graduate school. My wife was working, blah, 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 blah. All the kind of stuff that makes you tired with little children. So about two o'clock in the morning, I started hearing the rumblings in the monitor and I just turned it down quietly and was feeling so good with my husbandly duties and let my wife sleep. And I went into my uh, month and a half year old or month and a half old, I guess. And uh, she was just sitting there looking up at me and I picked her up and you know, had her in my arms and sat back in the rocking chair. And I, I think it even started to glow in the room. You know, it's just kind of one of those divine spiritual moments. You know, I'm looking at my daughter and she's looking up at me and I kind of looked up to God and said, God, this is just what it's like between you and me, isn't it? I'm like this cute bundle of joy that you get to hold and you have your big strong arms around me and I'm so cute and all this kind of stuff. God, this is just what it's like with you and me. Then all of a sudden in my hand, I started to feel a little rumbling and um, she started to fill her diaper, which babies do. And, uh, but you know, I'm being a good dad. So I put her down on the little changing table and go to change her diaper. And as long as I'm doing that, let's put on a fresh outfit, right? So when she wakes up, mom's going to be so impressed with me. So I change her outfit and put it on and da 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 and get her all kind of, you know, do the deals and button her up. And she just gets done. And who knew? Kids can poop twice in like eight seconds. And this one, um, let's just say overflowed a diaper. All the way up her back, back of her hair. It was a mess, it was a catastrophe all over this brand new outfit. So I'm going, okay, well, I've got to, you know, kind of get this off. And I use the clean parts of the outfit to wipe off the bad parts of whatever. And I kind of put that over here. Now I've got a, a growing pile of laundry and I get this, you done? Okay, good. We strap her back in, get her all taped up and feeling really good. And I put another outfit on her and I pick her up. And as I'm drawing her close, she just throws up everywhere, all over me and all over her third outfit. So I take my shirt off and add it to the pile, take hers off, add it to the pile. And I go, uh, yeah, uh, okay, we got to clean you up. Now we were upstairs. I didn't want to make any noise upstairs because my beautiful wife was sleeping and I wanted to be so nice. So we went downstairs and I don't know if you know this, but you know, those little kitchen sink sprayers thing, things are awesome for cleaning babies. <laughs> so I had her in one hand and grabbed the hole and you know, I'm spraying her off. It was fantastic. And I forgot a diaper upstairs, but I'm like, oh, big deal. You know, I can just put this outfit on her. I'll get her a diaper when we go back up. I, I go to put the outfit back on her and I, and I pick her up. Would you believe this kid peed on me? <laughs> just a, a trickle down my leg, soaks her like fifth outfit on the floor. So of course I grab the sprayer and I'm spraying me and the floor. This is why I'm like, I'm gonna spray anything that's wet. And as I'm spraying, as I'm kind of, you know, I kind of have her held out here so she's not peeing on me. Big hands come in real handy for palming babies. And I got the sprayer out here and I'm kind of doing this number. It was amazing because in that moment, I felt like I heard God. And he said, now, this is what it's really like <laughs> with you and me. Cleaning you up. God has an amazing way of helping us sort out how he wants to relate to us, doesn't he? He's got an amazing way of just kind of giving us perspective of what he's like and how he wants this relationship to go. And as we're talking about miracles, it's important 
that we understand how God wants us to connect with him. If not, we can miss the miracles that he's doing. We're gonna take a look at Jesus' first miracle today. And while I'm hoping there's a lot in it for us, if nothing else, what I want you to get is understand who God is and how he does things. Because if we don't have that proper lens of who he is and how he wants to relate, we can miss some of the big miracles that he's doing. The first week of this series, if you were here, if not, I encourage you to listen to it online. It's really good. Trent's talking about the storms in our lives. And if you don't understand that Jesus can come in and with a stop a storm, you might jump out of the boat a little bit too quick. You might jump from one storm into a worse situation if you don't understand Jesus' nature is to come into the storm. Oh, by the way, if you don't understand, sometimes he doesn't care about the storm out there, but the storm in here, you might jump too soon. And if we don't understand who he is, we can miss it. And I love that Jesus has authority over nature and can stop things and can calm our heart. But if we don't understand the character of God, we can miss the miracle he's doing. Then last week, he talked about the healing by the pool. And if you don't understand that we shouldn't just trust in the luck of some pool, but instead the author of our health, you can miss what God wants to do. You can sit back in your victimhood and miss a miracle of God wanting to put strength back into you. If you don't understand who he is, he does miracles where he blesses us. He does miracles where he strengthens us. He does miracles where he gets us out of jams. And sometimes he does miracles, as we're gonna see today, where he just puts his character on display so that we can look and see and know and get a proper lens for who this God is. And he'll use miracles to do that. Today, we're gonna to look again at Jesus' first miracle. And what we'll see is three character qualities that we've either gotten a little bit twisted up, quite honestly, in the American church, or we've lost. And it impacts our ability to see a miracle working God. Because who knows God does miracles? Okay, for the rest of you, I'll tell you, God does miracles. He does. And I know from our perspective, sometimes we can look at God and go, well, how could he ever, you know, do this massive miracle? It's such a huge thing. As if God is like, you know, I get the picture of like, you know, the Olympic power lifters and he's kind of, okay, wow, they need five bucks and they're in a tight jam. Let me see if I could get off my throne and get a, see if I got to muster the power to get them a miracle. And I think I can, oh no, they need 10 bucks. Oh, that's too heavy. I don't know if I can swing this miracle for all oh, their relationships in trouble. Boy, that's a tough one. Somehow we get this idea that like, because for us to fix our messes is heavy lifting. But for God, it's actually not. I, I, I kind of imagine, you know, a baby sitting in a high chair where the miracles they experience every day of even like eating, you know, they go, wah, and all of a sudden here comes food out of nowhere. Isn't that cool? <laughs> wah, open the hangar door. Here comes the little split peas. Miracle would be it tasting good. But anyway, but you know, it's this amazing thing. As babies, you just, wah, and here comes the food. They don't realize, or if they did, if they viewed us like God, they'd be going, wow, how awesome. They don't know us over here who are bigger, stronger, have greater understanding, know what they need, understand all that kind of stuff ahead of time. We do this big, massive miracle of twisting the top of a jar. Okay. Sometimes we look at God doing this heavy lifting and honestly, with all due respect, this God who's bigger than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you can fathom and has wisdom of the ages, looks and we're going, oh God, if I don't get this, I'm in deep trouble. And we try to prescribe to him exactly what to do. And all he's doing is going, stop your wham. Watch, 
it's, it's, it's really easy. And sometimes we can, there's no way God could do this. Really? Okay, remember, this is a God who said, let there be light, and a universe flew out of his mouth. And I know we can't do that. And sometimes we get, you know, want to limit God. So I'm hoping today we can see these three character attributes of God in this miracle, and hopefully they'll help frame the lens as you look at the rest of the miracles in this series. If you have a Bible, we're going to start in John chapter 2. We'll read verse 1 through 11. If you don't have a Bible, there are some in the back. Uh, you're welcome to go grab one anytime during service, and you're welcome to take it home and just put it on Trent's tab. He'd be happy to buy that for you. Okay, John chapter 2. We'll read verse 1 through 11. It goes like this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. <clears throat> when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. If you're a note taker, I'm calling this message life of the party. I love how it ends right there. He revealed his glory to them. Sometimes Jesus' miracles are strictly to show who he is. They're just about us getting a peek at his character. So we can trust him for the other miracles. And the first piece of his character we see here that I love is that God is abundant. Friends, sometimes we miss this. Let's take a look at verse six. It says, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So he filled them to the brim. If you showed up at a party with six bottles of wine, you're the life of the party. Am I right or am I wrong? Six bottles of good wine, you're everybody's best friend. And sometimes, I've read this a million times, I've just kind of, oh man, turn some water to wine, that sounds pretty cool. It says he turned six jars. Oh, by the way, not just jars, 30-gallon jars. I'm not a math major, but six 30-gallon jars is 180 gallons of wine. Partay. 180 gallons of wine. That's 3,840 glasses of wine after they had drank their fill. Sometimes we can look at what Jesus wants to do in our life and go, I hope he can muster the strength. I hope. Let me tell you something. When he shows up as the life of the party, there's enough for everybody. Everything else you will sample, taste, or try in life will eventually run out. 
but there is enough here that it can never run out. They can go gather the whole town. 180 gallons. There's enough there for everybody at the party for generations to come. Man, they could set up their own wine shop if they want. When Jesus shows up, And when he starts moving and doing the miraculous, I think too often, friends, we see him as really small. And sometimes we attribute stuff to him that we can do. God did this amazing thing. No, you actually just finally stopped sinning. (laughs) And like your life's turned around. That wasn't even God. That was just you not being an idiot. I can just say that. Because when he shows up and starts moving, bro, there's enough for every one, many, many, many times over, and it never runs out. Everything else you'll do in life will run out of gas, except the life in Jesus. There's enough there for everybody. By the way, you might be saying, well, man, I've been a Christian a while, and you know, like, uh, I, I don't really see abundance. Well, it's fascinating, because it says Jesus was invited And if you've been a Christian a while, but you don't ever experience abundance, my question for you is, do you invite Jesus in to situations? I've been a Christian a long time, and I'm in lack, and my finances are messed up, and have you ever deliberately stopped and said, Jesus, I would like for you to come into my checkbook and be Lord over it. Because where Jesus is invited, he brings life, and where he brings life, he brings abundant life. You might say, well, I've been a Christian a long time. Is he Lord over your finances? In other words, that when you say, Jesus, come into my finances, and, and you do, and you start praying, and you read your Bible, and you get some financial counsel, and you look at your checkbook, and you have this one just thing you keep throwing money at that's just a bad idea. Anybody know, ever have one of, yeah. And you feel God saying, don't do that. And then all of a sudden you're going, but I want to do that. Well, okay, then who's Lord over your finances? Him? or you, it's not like some words, like, be, no, where your desire and his desire intersect, he wins. If he's Lord, your will now yields to him. And if he's saying, don't spend your money on this dopey thing that's not doing you any good, now you yield to that and you stop. <gasps> Guess what? You have more money. It's not even a miracle, it's just practical. Where you invite him in, then it, it's incredible. He starts moving you out of foolish uses of your money. And I know we've, listen, I get the economy's brutal, man. We've all had things happen to us. But you look at the wisdom of Proverbs that says things like, spend less than you make and do it for a long period of time and you'll be wealthy. That's profound. Spend less than you make and do it for a long period of time just by obeying letting the lordship of the word of God rule over your financial decisions, you will have abundance. Isn't that incredible? Invite him in. They invited him to the party. And where he comes, he brings life. And where he brings life, he brings abundant life. Now you might say, well, Pastor Keith, I've I've invited Jesus in. He's Lord of my life. I walk with him really closely and I'm still feeling like stuff's getting away from me. There's no abundance. I haven't seen any of it in this Christian life because this isn't a get-rich-quick thing that we're signing up for. But it's fascinating, because if you look at the language of the text, we can surmise that it was a kind of a family affair type of wedding. Mary was invited. 
Jesus' mother. Now, she is the primary invitee to a family type of thing. Yeah, she could bring her son. That's fine. But the text tells us Jesus then brought all his buddies. They run out of wine. We can surmise that it was probably like you and I throwing a party where like the biggest concern is I hope we have enough food. I hope we have enough wine. They probably did. They probably actually did until Jesus showed up with his buddies. Okay, we're talking a couple dockhands, some fishermen, some construction guys. These guys are throwing down at this party. Would you agree? <laughs> They're not coming in there going, where's a little horse divorce? No, I mean, like, hey, partay. He rolls up with some big rough and tumble guys. He overruns the party. And quite possibly, the lack that they now experience is because of him. And you might be going, yes, that sounds like Christianity to me. You're right. Oftentimes, Jesus coming in means things going away because he wants to bring you something better and a ton of it. If your glass is full with some average run-of-the-mill wine, what are you going to do with 180 gallons of the best stuff? It's not until your cup is empty that you even go notice what he wants to bring to you. And oftentimes, following Christ, we need a miracle, and we invite Jesus in, and now it feels like, well, there goes all my relationships. Well, there goes my finance. Well, there goes my friends. Well, there goes my fun. Well, there goes, and we spend all our time running around trying to gather and collect and hoard and not lose stuff that Jesus is trying to get out of your life. And maybe if you let it go, maybe if you let it flow, it'll create room for him to bring the good stuff. Because God loves you way too much to let you settle for, figuratively, the wine out of the box. He's got some good stuff. And you might be sitting here this morning clinging to a relationship that you know, if you got gut level honest, is unhealthy for you, but it's better than nothing. Really? How is bad better than none? And by the way, as long as you're clinging to this thing that's actually hurting you, guess what you're not able to do? Because you've got both hands on this, is find out what God might want or who God might want to deliver into your life. We chase the wrong. Sometimes Jesus showing up with his abundance, pff, it blows out everything else and there's not room for the bad. Who knows? That's a good thing. And you might miss the miracle that Jesus wants to do in your life if you fail to understand he's abundant. And when he comes, he comes strong. And when he comes, he comes big. And when he comes strong and he comes big, there's not room for weak sauce. Let it go. You guys okay? Still like me? Doesn't really matter. I have the microphone. <laughs> anyway, Jesus is abundant. And we miss that sometimes, or we misunderstand that sometimes. He's also immediate. It says in verse 8, it says, Then he told them, Now, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. I love that. Now, now, 
Oftentimes what can take us years, we have years of getting into a mess, years of getting into a pickle, and we look and go, how am I ever gonna get out of this? It's gonna take a lifetime if it's even possible. You serve a God who's now. His word is for the ages. You can build with wisdom and build into strength and all that kind of stuff, but he can also show up now. He turned water into wine. He turned the ordinary into the luxurious. Do you know the natural process of water becoming wine? Well, let's see. It has to evaporate from the ocean. It has to fly over a mountainside where they've got vineyards. It's got to fall as rain. It's got to be saturated into the soil. It's got to be slurped right up in a vine. Then it's got to work its way up the trunk of the vine, out into the branch, down into a, a, a grape, and sit there until more gets added to it and it gets nice and plump. Then it's got to wait for somebody to come along and pluck it. Then it's got to wait for the same people that plucked it to squish it and break all that water back out of it again. And then add in a little fermenty sauce and then go stick it in the basement for a couple years. The natural process of water becoming wine is long and tedious and has to be watched over for a long time unless Jesus says now. And you might be sitting in here looking at your situation going, I don't have time. God, I don't have the process. If you don't do it now, I'm in trouble. You might have walked in here with your relationship hanging by one thread. You might have walked in here and gone, oh God, I thank God they're talking about miracles because if I don't get one this morning, I don't have a marriage tonight. And if that's you, friends, you survey now God. He's immediate. And what could take a lifetime to fix, he can touch like that. I was playing for the Milwaukee Bucks in 1996. I'd given my life to Christ a little bit earlier that year. I'd played three and a half, four years in the NBA, living like a knucklehead, enjoying everything that the fast life could ever offer you. Man, I had more money than I had ever seen in my life. You know, you're on the road. Anything you want in professional sports is immediately available to you right at your fingertips, and I enjoyed it. I was married at the time. And I'd go out on the road and go, man, life out here is awesome. It's free. It's unrestrained. I can do whatever I want. Then I'd come home. My wife wants to, you know, be home. And I'm like, oh, really? It's so exciting over there. That was a pretty lousy husband. Then about two weeks before this incident, I'm going to tell you about, I gave my life to Christ. I had no idea what that even meant. I just had somebody open the Bible, share the gospel. And I'm like, I am going to hell fast. Jesus came in and saved me and changed me. And I didn't suddenly miraculously know how to be a, a good husband. I just knew all of a sudden for the first time I looked and saw my wife and I'm going, this is the best gift God has ever given to anybody. Oh my gosh. And I'm screwing it up really bad. And I don't know how to fix it. And she's awesome. After a game in Milwaukee, we went to out for pizza and to figure out how to get divorced without spending money on lawyers. I still carry it in my Bible. We sat down and on the napkin that sits under your drink, we wrote out, you take that car, I'll take this house, you take this money, I'll take that insurance policy. We divided up everything we had 
on a napkin at a pizza parlor because I didn't know how to fix my marriage. We had tried everything, man. We tried partying together. We tried partying harder together. We tried partying separately. All the good stuff, right? We even tried counseling. We even went and talked to a priest one time. We tried every self-help books. We tried everything we knew to try to make this thing work and we couldn't figure out how. And I'll never forget, we had divided everything up on the napkin. She took hers, I took mine. She got to, stood up to walk out of my life forever. She goes, well, I guess this is it. I said, yeah, I guess that's it. And she turned and took a step to walk away. And I said, oh, oh, hang on. She turned back around. I said, babe, this is going to sound crazy coming from me of all people. We've tried everything else. What if we read the Bible together? <clears throat> she looked at me like, what can it hurt? And sat back down. I didn't have some moment where, oh, Jesus, be Lord of my marriage. <laughs> Yet in a moment of my heart going, I think we need him. He took this broken thing, lifted it up, and now fixed it. Now, listen, I am still massive work in progress on not being a selfish jerk. Big time. And she is beyond gracious with me. But we were done. And we suddenly, without even knowing it, reached out to a God who says, dip in here now. And he fixed it. And we don't have every, still don't have everything right, but we had one thread. And all of a sudden, Scripture says, there's a cord of three strands that can't be broken. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. Go figure. But we suddenly have my wife, me, and God wrapping it all together, holding it together. And it's unbreakable. We walked out of this pizza parlor and we held hands for the first time in months. How in the world did that happen? Because God showed up because we invited him to and he's right now. That's how the God I serve rolls. And if we don't understand that God can do poof, you might miss him wanting to save something right now. not just immediate and he's not just abundant, he's also ultimate. Verse 9 and 10 says that then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, <clears throat> excuse me, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. See, the best that life has to offer is a lot like wine. I, I, don't, I don't think it's any coincidence that he turned the water to wine. I would have turned it to Dr. Pepper personally because I love it, but he turned it to wine, and there's a reason. Because wine is a lot like life in that the things you think you like most, they have a diminishing return, meaning the more you do them, the less effective they are for you. If you do the same workout routine, at first you get massive results, and then the same routine doesn't gain you 
as quickly. If you drink wine over a period of time, some get, gets you feeling great, and then you just kind of flatten out and dull. And the text says there, most people throwing a party bring out the good stuff at first while your taste buds are still working. And you get a little taste and you go, ooh, that's some good stuff. After you have enough, you can't really tell the difference. And then they roll out the bad stuff. They're gonna lower their bar tab and we'll just get you the whatever, you don't care and you can't tell anyway. But something amazing happens. They taste what Jesus made and their dull taste buds, buds spring back to life and they're going, hey, there's more wine, hey, we whoa, whoa, what is that? That's awesome. That's some good stuff. And oftentimes we go through life, we find our little pet sin, we like it and it works and first time nobody knows and it's awesome and it feels so good, doesn't it? Then you kind of go back that well like three or four times and then you're going, it doesn't, it's not quite as awesome. Maybe I need to go a little further. And we find this amazing trap with sin that it always takes you further than you intended to go, always keeps you there longer than you want to be there and always costs more than you ever thought it would. And you just go a little bit further and a little bit further. And before long, you look and you are so far from the things of God and the people of God because you're seeking that same pleasure. When you, all of a sudden into that, Jesus shows up, when you taste him, bro, all bets are off. I don't care how numb you are, how desensitized you are, how over it you are, how whatever you are, you get a little taste of that. Dude, something comes back to life. And you gotta get yourself some more of that. You know, it's significant that what he turned the water to wine in, it says they were jars that were used for ceremonial cleaning. They were, it was a, basically a glorified religious bath. They'd fill these 60 or 30 gallon jugs up with water and before they could go and experience, you know, a church, they had to clean up. So all right, let's here, we can wash our, scrub our feet up a little bit, wash your hands, a little hair. So they'd kind of bathe more or less out of these jars and they'd get themselves clean on the outside so they could pre be presentable in church. And I find it fascinating that what they used to spruce themselves up on the outside to get the best they could, which, oh, by the way, who knows? that if you don't do that regularly, you still get nasty. Like you don't clean up once. You remember that first, no, you don't remember because you weren't there, but that first bath you had in the hospital, you know, and it cleaned you up. It didn't last very long, did it? Life happens. And when all we do is focus on the exterior, I'm gonna be a better person now. That doesn't last. You still get dirty. And Jesus takes their symbol of cleaning, which is all external, and fills it with something that is intended to go in and all the way down to your deepest parts and warm you on the inside. Some good wine. And with that, he not only gives them something to drink, he changes the ball game. He says, guys, I'm not going to just give you something that'll run out, that won't last. I'm going to give you the ultimate that will come and do something inside of you. And the greatest miracle is when Jesus comes in and warms what was cold and brings life to what was dull inside. It's the ultimate. All right, as we start to bring this to a close, Jesus is the life of the party. What's the key for you and I experiencing this? And we find it in verse five. It says, his mother said to the servants, 
Do whatever he tells you. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. It's kind of interesting here because Mary, <clears throat> they run out of wine, and the text tells us that Mary went over to Jesus and says, hey, we're out of wine. Now, Jesus has not done any recorded miracles yet. He's not on the scene as a miracle worker. Maybe he did some at home and they're not recorded. Maybe Mary said, get in there and clean up your room, boy. And he went in and did a little, and it was poof, it was clean and spotless. <laughs> Maybe. We don't know, it's not recorded. But we can venture to say he hasn't started busting out the miracle stuff yet. Why did Mary go to him and tell him? If you were at a party and like they were almost out of wine, wouldn't you go to the host and say, hey, sorry, the wine's almost out? You want me to run to like down to 7-Eleven and grab you some? Or wouldn't you go to like a servant or maid and go, I don't know if there's any more wine in the back, but it's almost out here. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you do that? Why would you go to your son and go, hey, psst, Houston, we got a problem. When you don't yet know him as one who turns water to wine. See, most of us have this thing with Jesus where I'm cool with the miracle, but he needs to show me something first. See, if I have a track record where he does the miraculous, that's easy for Trent and Tammy. God's doing stuff in their life all the time. He better show me something. He hasn't showed Mary Jack. Yet she goes to him and says, hey, we're short of wine. I'll tell you what, Jesus' most amazing miracles in your life and throughout scripture usually start with somebody who's willing to trust him before they've ever seen anything. That'll cry out to him and believe him before he's ever done anything. It's easy to believe after the fact, Mary comes and he hasn't done anything yet. And I'm telling you, if you're sitting here going, I don't know where to turn for all these situations, God hasn't really proven himself, trust him before he's proven himself. And guess what? He'll prove himself. That's how he likes to do it. It's called faith. Believing before you see. If you'll step out in faith before you have a track record, buddy, you'll pretty quick have a track record of the miraculous. So that's where Jesus lives, about one step beyond where you can see. I love what Mary says, too. She doesn't do what you and I, maybe not you, what I like to do. When I need a miracle, I usually sit down with Jesus and go in my prayer time and go, hey, God, you know what I need? Uh, I'm out of wine, figuratively, and I need some more wine, and here's how I need it. I need step A, then step B, then step C, then D, and uh, by the way, by noon would be great. Anybody else ever do that? Where we prescribe to him what we want? Mary didn't prescribe anything. Jesus go get some water and fill it up and poof it into what Didn't tell him anything. Just simply presented her need to the one who can meet it. Oh, friends, if we would just talk to God and go, God, I need this. You might see the miraculous. A lot of time we don't see miracles because we're too busy telling God what the miracle needs to look like. And we don't see what we describe to him. It's like, hello, I fixed it over here because this is a better way for you. 
So what do we do? Just do what he says. This is very profound. Open your Bible and read it. Oh, and do what it says. You need a miracle with your child who you can't get to even come back and have a normal conversation with you because they're so mad at life and bitter at things. You know what you need is to open your scripture and see what it tells you to do. And do that. Not that plus Dr. Phil. Just that. Do whatever he tells you. Put on a podcast from Trent, listen to it and go, I'm going to do that. I've never seen it work in my life and it seems a little bit kind of strange and crazy, but man, his life's blessed. Okay. Mary lays it all out. You want to experience the miraculous. You want an abundant, now, ultimate experience with Jesus in your life today. Just do whatever he asks of you. Let me pray for you. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your great love. I thank you for your son, Jesus, who just puts your love on display. And I thank you, Jesus, even as we look at your first miracle in the Gospel of John, we look at the last passage in the Gospel of John where he says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus, we want life in your name. We want abundant life in your name. We want immediate life in your name. We want ultimate, deep down at the core of who we are, life in your name. So Jesus, we invite you in right now into every area of our life we've kept you locked out of, kept you small in, chose to marginalize you, chose to try to hide from you. We say, come in. Have your way and do your work. In Jesus' name. Would you pray with me for just a moment? Jesus, nothing but your blood can make us whole. Nothing but your blood can transform us from the inside out. So Lord, I thank you for that incredible miracle that happens every day when someone puts their faith and trust in you. Lord, I pray, I thank you for that miracle that can happen every day as we continue on in our journey with you and watch you help us become more like Jesus. And that's the greatest miracle of all, Lord, that we could become more like Jesus and be in a relationship with him and have our whole lives transformed. So thank you, God, for being a God of miracles and working those miracles in our lives every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I've got just a few quick announcements for you before we all leave for today. Uh, if you call Epic your church home, uh, one of the things that we invite you to do is to be a part of giving back to God of your time, talents, and resources. There's a lot of ways you can get involved around here. And when it comes to your resources, how you can be involved in that is you can 
contribute through one of our giving boxes that we have at the back section of each of the seating areas there. You can also go online and you can give of your resources in that way as well at theepicchurch.com. Encourage you to be a part of what God is doing in that way. If you've, start, if you've signed up for Starting Point or Next Step, our small group environments, uh, we had an information meeting last week. If you've signed up for that and you need to get your materials for that, I encourage you to go back to our Connection Center before you leave for today and talk with Tim. He'll be there with some of the booklets that you need for that. Now, uh, we have been telling you about a Habitat build that we were going to do on September the 29th, but we have had to make a change to that. So we're not going to be doing it on the 29th. They've actually asked us to change it due to all the rain that we've had recently. They were not able to move far enough along in the building process where they would like us to engage. So they've moved it back to October the 6th. So if you can be a part of that on that day, we'd love for you to sign up online. If you've already signed up, uh, you should have gotten an email about that, so no need to sign up again. Um, So interact with that email, whoever sent that to you. But if you've not signed up yet and you'd like to be a part of that, we'd love to have you. And you can be a part in several ways. You can be a builder and come out and swing a hammer. And don't worry if you've never swung a hammer before. It's all right. There's trained professionals there that help people like me learn how to do that and not hit my thumb. So I'd love to have you a part of that as well. You can provide food. Uh, there's a, a food team that works together to put together lunch for the day. So I'd love to have you doing that. There's also another project that we're going to be doing at the same time, and it's a cleanup in the area there. So there's an area that, uh, that needs some extra cleanup, and anybody that doesn't want to do build, doesn't want to be involved in food, love to have you doing a cleanup. Actually, our student ministry surge is going to be involved in the cleanup that day. So uh, we'll put anybody that's in overflow in that section as well. So again, go to our website, theepicchurch.com, and you can sign up for any of those things. Also, our student ministry surge for middle school and high schoolers had an event last night, had a movie night, had a great turnout for that. Just want to encourage you, if you are in middle school or high school, or if you know someone in middle school or high school, encourage you to follow along with them on their Facebook page at Epic Surge, and you can get information about what they're doing next. And then a quick reminder that today we're doing our picnic at 5 p.m. at Wadsworth Park. So I encourage you to come on out and have a great time with us this afternoon. And then if you can today, if you can help us with teardown in this new facility that we're in, there's a lot of extra stuff for us to do, so extra hands are wonderful to have. If you can help out with that, stay a few minutes, I encourage you to come up front right here and I'll hook you up with uh, Jeff and Scott who will help us uh, get coordinated and what we need to do as we tear down today. And will you thank Keith for coming all the way up from Orlando to speak to us today? Will you just help me thank Keith for that? So we appreciate that greatly. I'm going to pray, and then our uh, worship team's going to send us out. You're free to go. So God, thanks again for being a miraculous God that performs the miracles in our lives. Do that again today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for being here, everybody.